0: If you have to tell someone that you're something, you probably aren't. If you have to tell someone that you're something, you probably aren't. I mean, the best way uh, to to, to show, to, to tell someone that you do something, that you are something, is to prove it with your actions, not just your words. Over the next several weeks, we are going to go through the different I am statements that Jesus makes about himself in the book of John. These seven statements begin to give us a picture of who Jesus is. Like I said, they all start off with, I am, and then he gives us this picture. And I know you might be thinking, Mike, I thought you just said that if you have to tell someone you're something, you probably aren't. But it, as, you can, as you might guess, Jesus not only states it with his words, but he, then just, he also proves it with his actions. Today, Jesus is going to show us that he, he longs to, to supply what we need, not just on the surface. He wants to get to the core of who we are. So, one thing you might notice about some people is that they, some people, some, some people can tend to be superficial. They, they, they're real comfortable dealing with things on the exterior, but, but if you begin to dig just below the surface, they begin to push back. Have you met someone like that? You know someone like that? Are you someone like that? Yeah, they're, 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 there's, there's people who are around that, that man, we, when, it gets below, when it begins to get deeper than just surface level stuff, they begin to push back and reject. They begin to, uh, uh, they, they just don't feel comfortable talking about those things. And so with each attempt to go just a little bit deeper, you get denied. With each advance, you get pushback. But the thing is, the problem with surface level conversations is they have very little impact. They have very little impact. You know, what I had for lunch or the results of last night's game have very little impact, have very little to do with uh, the the direction and uh, the focus and the trajectory of my life. Well, it snowed some today, uh, that's not really going to alter my plans. It's not going to really affect uh, my goals or the trajectory or, or what I want to do with my life. It won't affect you know, how I love my wife. It won't affect how I raise my kids. Now, that's not to say there, are, there aren't things that speak into those things, right? You know, we, we consult uh, scripture and we uh, consult uh, other things. To, and, and from there, we can begin to uh, piece together uh, goals and direction for how we treat one another and how we raise our children, how we love one another and, and, and what are the certain goals that we want to achieve, these things don't happen by happenstance or just willy nilly. There are core principles that are often backed up by Scripture, and, and, and where um, they may not be backed up specifically by Scripture, it's usually backed up by science or, or, or uh, some other sound evidence that probably has a connection to Scripture that I just haven't found yet, right? Because all truth is God's truth. Uh, everything can, uh, all the different principles of life can be found in Scripture, and whether we know them or not. But here's What's significant about core principles, core principles of our life. They just, they don't change every time the wind changes directions. It doesn't change every time uh, things get blown one way or another. We don't change those very often. That's what makes them core, right? We have core doctrines. These are the things we believe about scripture. We have, we have core values. Here's how we live out those truths on a day to day basis. They are core because they don't change. They're reflections of who we are. They're expressions of, of what we do. But there are certain methods and there are certain things in our life that are kind of flexible, right? Like typically, on a week-to-week basis, we typically have communion before the sermon. But this week, we moved it. We're moving it back because it, everything's going to kind of build to that moment. You, you'll see how these pieces kind of fit together. It, what, the songs that we sing, the songs that we sing are very flexible. Some weeks, uh, they're slower and more uh, meditative. Some weeks, uh, they're, they're all big and, and, and anthem and they're, and they're, they're loud. Uh, and so each week, each week, we have this freedom to do certain things. So we have some things that are core. We have some things that are flexible. But the problem is, arises when we make core things superficial and we make superficial things core. Because when we do this, we begin to chase after false gods, and we begin to have mismatched priorities, and it causes us to misrepresent the gospel. It causes us to, to, to present our faith in a way that is not in line with Scripture, and so we begin to send mixed messages to those who are around us. And when we do this, we begin to make our ministry and our outreach weaker because it shows a lack of alignment with the thoughts and the ways and the patterns of God. And so what we're going to see that Jesus gets into the text today is he's going to push beyond superficial things so we we can begin to experience him at the core of who we are. And so if you would, turn with me to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. What we find here is Jesus is nearing the end of his second year of ministry. He, He has been traveling and he's been healing and he's been teaching and the crowds have been following him. They are mounting, they're, they're gathering around him in, in greater and greater numbers. They, we find at this point that uh, the, the crowds are gathering even greater because they're beginning to make their pilgrimage down to Jerusalem for Passover. Uh, they, 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 this is uh, the, the highest and greatest feast of the Jewish calendar. And so everyone would try to get, everyone wanted to be at Jerusalem for Passover. And so be, the people are beginning to, to gather and they're beginning to make their way. And so as Jesus is going along, as he's there, <clears throat> he's been teaching, he's been healing. This, on this particular day, Jesus has, been, has taught long into the day and the disciples are like, Jesus, we are far from town and the people are hungry. We need to send them away to get food. And Jesus says, well, um, I'm not quite done yet. Why don't you guys feed them? All right, You guys find a way to feed them. And and they're like, man, we don't have enough money. they like, turn their pockets inside out. Like, we, we can barely get anybody, everybody a bite. And there's this young boy, he's there. He's got a, a lunch of five loaves and two fish. And they're like, well, Jesus, this is, all, this is the best we got. And Jesus is like, this will be enough. And so he blesses it and he feeds the 5,000 men and, and the women and the children who are there. And they are so amazed. They long to take Jesus and march him to Jerusalem and make him king by force. But before they are able to do this, uh, Jesus sends the disciples off. He sends them back across the lake and Jesus begins to dismiss the crowd. And some of them go home and some of them just camp out there. And, but Jesus goes up on top of the mountain that was there, the, the hill there, to pray and to reconnect with God. And during the night, as the disciples are, are, are rowing across the, the, the sea, a big storm arises and it kind of slows them down. And so as Jesus finishes praying, he comes down the mountain and he begins to walk out to them on the water and they see him and, and Peter goes, Jesus, if it's you, call me to come to you, walk on the, to, to walk on the water to you. And Jesus said, come on. And Peter begins to walk and And he sees the storm and he sees the wind and he sees the waves and he begins to take his eyes off Jesus. And he sinks and calls out to Jesus to save him. And Jesus pulls him up. They get in the boat and they continue. The the storm calms down. They make their way to the other side. What's the next morning? The crowds wake up and they look and they don't see Jesus anywhere. They don't see the boat. They don't see the disciples. And they begin to look, where did Jesus go? Where is Jesus? And so they they, they begin to put the pieces together. Like, well, maybe he went to follow the disciples. And so they make their way back around the lake. And they come around and they finally catch up with Jesus. And John records for us this. Starting in verse uh, 25. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, and not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. And so you have them, they, 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 they've woke up and they've looked and they, they can't find Jesus anywhere, but their stomachs are hungry. And they begin to look for Jesus. And they say, Jesus, where, where'd you go? Why, how'd you get here? What time did you arrive? We, we yeah. learn from uh, one of the other gospels, that's very early in the morning, like, like four o'clock in the morning. It's like early, they, they, they struggle through the night to get there. And Jesus looks at the people. And he's like, you know, you, you're, you're looking for me, uh, not because I did this great work, but you woke up this morning and your bellies were hungry and you wanted more food. See, over the years, people really haven't changed, have we? I mean, Jesus, and Jesus calls them out on this. They saw this great miracle. They were filled, but now they woke up and they have hungry bellies. They wanted more. <clears throat> Don't we see this in real life? People seek after Jesus. They seek after God for what God can give to them, what Jesus can provide for them. And so whether that's physical healing, whether it's deliverance from a difficult situation, uh, some, some people, they, they, they just want something, of physical, tangible aid. And so when God comes through, God is good, right? Man, God is so good. He has blessed me. But sometimes when it seems that God is silent or when things don't go as we desire them, God can't be trusted. He's, he's distant. He doesn't love me. And Jesus said, you guys chased me down and sought me out because I filled your bellies and your bellies needed filling again today. So Jesus changed his subject on him. He's like, do not work for the food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. See, they had dinner the night before. And they woke up hungry. Jaden likes to call sleep a time machine to breakfast. I bet you can't guess what his favorite meal of the day is. He would have cereal three times a day if his mother would let him. He's a, he, he, or tacos, uh, but tacos for breakfast. That the, the, the tacos for breakfast is a little rougher. Uh, but he, he but he, he's, he's like, man. When, when guy says, "Hey, we're having we're having pancakes for dinner. We're having biscuits and gravy for dinner." He's like, "Breakfast for dinner. Breakfast for dinner is a win-win." For Jaden. And he's like, you guys, you guys had your fill last night, and you woke up, and your bellies were empty. Your bellies were hungry. You needed, they needed something. They were, op- they were operating on a physical level. They wanted to be taken care of. They, 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 they thought they were being all spiritual yesterday because they talked about Jesus being the Messiah. He's our king. and Let's take him down to Jerusalem, make him king. He's our king. But Today, talk has changed. Today they're looking for physical satisfaction, looking for physical security. They're looking for physical solutions but to spiritual and core level problems. And when we make the superficial core, things get out of line. Conversation continues. When they asked them, they said, What must we do to to, to what must we do to to do the works that God requires. And Jesus answered, the work of God is this to believe in the one that he has sent. So they asked him, what, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe? Well, what will you do? See our our ancestors, (coughs) they ate manna in the wilderness. And as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven. It is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread that comes, for the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to those who eat it. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. And so Jesus has pointed out to him. He's like, do, eat, eat the bread, not the bread that spoils, not the food that spoils, but the food, the bread that goes to eternal life. And the, the, how do we serve? How do we work? What work must we do to do the work that God requires? What is it that God requires of us? See, they see Jesus as a rabbi. He's a spiritual authority. It's so like, how do we achieve this? How how do, we, how do we take this step? And Jesus' reply is simple. He says, the work of God is this, to believe in the one that he has sent. The, that, that question then naturally follows, how can belief be a work, right? How can belief be a work? And here's why. Because, because real biblical belief, real biblical faith will be shown through our lives, Biblical faith doesn't just remain in our head. It's not just a mental assent. It's not, I agree with these things. Because if it was, there'd be a lot more Christians in our world, right? We just have to just believe these certain things. We have to just know these certain things. But belief, belief is, is best shown, is most shown through our lives, through our actions. Another, word, another way to understand that word faith is the word allegiance. So it's not just something we know, but it's something that we prove. It's something that we have to show. We have to show these things. In Jesus, we believe in, give allegiance to the one that God has sent. Biblical faith is not just something in our heads, but it's worked out through our actions. This work is is not, this faith itself is not what saves us. We're still saved by grace. We're not saved by works, we're saved by grace. But our work is in response to our salvation because of our faith. In Jesus, and this seems so simple, right? All you know, so those people say, "All you have to do is believe. All you have to do is believe," and they might think, "Oh, that's all. All I have to do is believe." But then you begin to note that that means all. It's not as simple as just wearing the T-shirt or wearing the necklace. Not just as simple as just showing up for worship. It's not just surface-level things that's easily to be seen by everyone. This true faith rearranges every part of our life. It's not just window dressing. It's not just a t-shirt we wear or a necklace that we wear. But it it's not just one thing. It changes everything. When it means all, it means all. There's an old hymn that we used to sing. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him and in his presence daily live. It's not, I, I surrender some to Jesus. I surrender a percentage to Jesus. It's, I surrender all. The course says, I surrender all. It repeats it three times in the course. See, Jesus is either Lord of all or he isn't Lord at all. And so the people are there. And they're saying, hey, Jesus telling them this. And, and what's, the, what's their response? Do you, do you, you need to believe, you need, the work of God is this, to believe in the one that he has sent. And, and the people go, oh, oh, prove it. Well, what sign? What sign from heaven are you going to give? And if you sit down this afternoon and read all of John chapter six, you're going to go, um, weren't you just there yesterday when he took five loaves and two fish and fed all you guys until you were full and had leftovers? Were, were you not there? And you're, at, you're telling Jesus to prove it. Prove it that you're the one. Prove it that this is right. What sign from heaven are you going to give? We were not there for the miraculous feeding, yet they wanted more because they have new needs today. They say, what sign? What's that? See, our ancestors, they ate manna in the wilderness. There was nothing on the ground. They woke up the next morning and manna was on the ground. They went out and collected it and they ate it and they had their fill. He gave God gave them bread from heaven to eat. What sign will you do, Jesus? What will you do to prove it? Yesterday it was fish and bread. Today it's talk about manna. Yesterday they wanted to make Jesus king by force. But today they bring up Moses. See, they're looking for a new Deliverer. Yesterday it was earthly food. Today Jesus is talking about heavenly food and eternal food, well that's going to require a sign from heaven. And Jesus goes on, he, he says this he says I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have As I told you, you have seen me and you still, you still do not believe. All those the father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given to me but raise them up in the last day for my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I'm the bread. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever comes to me will never be thirsty. He's essentially saying everything else will leave you hungry. Everything else is physical. Everything else is superficial. <clears throat> he says, but I am the bread. I am the food that will bring eternal life. And here's the thing. They're stuck on food. They're stuck on bread, but Jesus is no longer talking about bread. It's kind of like the woman at the well. Remember they were there and she's like, she's like, man, this well is deep. Do you not have anything to draw with? And he's like, yeah, I, I, if, you know, if, if you trust in me, the, I will give you water, then you'll never go thirsty. And she's like, oh, give me that water. I but Jesus was no longer talking about water. He was talking about the spirit inside that he, was gonna, that he would give to those who believe. And here, he's, you know, they're, they're talking about bread. Man, we're hungry. We need more food. And Jesus Jesus like, like, I am the bread. He's not talking about food. He's talking about himself. They keep talking about food. They keep talking about surface level things. And Jesus is talking about deeper core level stuff. They're looking for where their next meal will come from, especially since they've been chasing Jesus for the last two days. They've not worked, so they can't pay for food. And Jesus is talking about eternal things, things that will last. If you eat, if you, if you eat, if you eat the bread that I offer, you will never go hungry. And Jesus continues in verse 47. He says, very truly I tell you, The one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here's the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that comes down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. He, he goes on. He says, "Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in Him." He Says eternal life is given to those. Who have, I am the living bread that comes down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread, this bread that is my flesh, they will have life. Do you remember the old phrase, uh, "You are what you eat"? Jesus is pretty much telling them, "You you are what you eat." Where do we draw our strength from? Where do we go and draw our direction from? Where do we draw our guidance from? Where do we draw our hope from? Where? They're looking at bread. They're looking at physical things, food that will spoil. And when we draw, go after things that will spoil, eventually it will lead us to death. And Jesus says, fight, go for it, chase down, pursue that, that will, will not spoil, that will not fade. For in that, in that food, in that bread, you will have, you will find eternal life. See, for some, we find our strength, we find our direction, we find our hope in the news and in the financial reports. Man, as long as our people are in power, things are good. As long as my uh, 401k, as long as my bank accounts are growing day after day, things are good. But it's been shown through history that as a church, Seeks after political power, it loses social influence. We chase after fiscal uh, uh, security, financial security. When we chase after power and position, we may gain the scepter, but we lose our Savior. We trade bread that will last for food that spoils. So maybe we put our hope in our own physical ability, because we're good enough and we're smart enough. And gosh darn it, people like us. But eventually our bodies slow down. Our bodies wear out. Even our minds, even our minds, even though we we may not not completely lose them, they may lose a little bit of that sharpness, a little bit of that quickness. And when we once were quick and agile, we become slow and stayed. And Jesus looks at them and says, guys, it's not about the bread. It's about me. This bread, all this bread talk was just a picture. It was a metaphor because bread has been a staple in just about every diet in all the world. And so Jesus draws upon the familiar to lead us to where he wants us to go. He says, you are what you eat. You are what you chase after. You are what you love most. Merrill Tinney Writes this, he says, he being Jesus desired that men should receive him, not simply for what he might give to them, but why he might be to them. So often we chase after God for what he can give us. So, so often we uh, pursue him because of uh, of the needs he can meet for us, the the things that he can provide for us, the things he wants to do for us. And it remain on the surface. We remain superficial. We just kind of stay here. And Jesus, it's not just about what I can give you. I'm, I didn't come to play Santa Claus. I came that you might have life and life to the full. We're going to get to that in a few weeks, right? I'm talking about stuff inside. I'm talking about deep level stuff, stuff that is at the core of our being. Because if we just change the superficial, if we just change the deck, deck chairs, the Titanic still sinks, right? So it's not about deck chairs. It's not about fascia. It's not about facade. It's not about the external, but what's going on at the heart. And they were pursuing him for food because they were stuck on the outside. And Jesus calls them to things that are deeper. It's not just because they were pursuing him, because they wanted bread. And he's like, I don't want to be your bread, man. I want to be the source of your life. What happens this is what, when, we, when we, through faith, allow Jesus to permeate every part of our life, This is why he says that he is the bread that comes down from heaven, that we must eat from him to live forever. And this is why he correlates bread with his body, correlates bread with life. But as he says, you have to eat my body, you have to eat my bread. You can imagine this turns the crowd just a little bit. He correlates his body with the bread. And while bread is fuel for the body, he longs to be fuel, not just for our bodies, but for the, be the focus of our faith. And the crowds hear this. And initially they thought he was advocating cannibalism. And you can almost hear the, the, the visceral response from the crowd, right? They are shocked. They are appalled. They are offended that he would utter such things. Hey, you need to eat my body and drink my blood. And they're going, gross. I mean, you can just read through Leviticus and see all the foods that were inappropriate for the Jewish people to eat. In fact, the entire Greco-Roman world, they abhorred cannibalism. This was not good, which is why later on, as, as the church grew and they partook of communion together and they said, this is the body of Christ and this is the blood of Christ, they thought Christians were cannibals because of our framework and our wording around communion. They missed the point though, because it wasn't about his actual body, but accepting him at the deepest levels of our being of our nature. That's not about diet. It's not about sustenance, but it's about incorporating his character and his purpose and his nature into our lives. And because they missed the point, they walked away. Since Jesus would not become king on their terms, they would not accept him as Lord on his terms. And as I said, Passover, year, they are all going to make their way to Jerusalem except for Jesus. Jesus avoids this Passover. When the next Passover comes around, he'll die on the cross for our sins. Well, he's been a crowd favorite. And over the years, the, the, the crowds have gathered and have followed. They love Jesus but over the next year, both Jesus and the opposition will turn up the heat. Jesus will continue to make calls for increased discipleship, but those who are opposed to him will continue to turn up the heat of their hatred and it will eventually lead him to the cross. So as the crowds walk away, as the crowds begin to leave, uh, th- th- uh, Jesus has this conversation with his disciples. It says, from this time on, Many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Jesus looks at the 12 and says, You do not want to leave too, do you? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Crowds leave. Crowds begin to walk away. They they, 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 they've, they've had too much. This is too hard of a teaching. And Jesus looks at his disciples and says, D- "Do you guys want to leave too? You, you guys don't have to stay. This is, if this is too much, if this is more than you signed up, you can almost hear just, hey, here's an out. If you guys want out, feel free to go. It's hard. It's a lot." But Peter's response is perfect, right? And Peter does a lot of stupid stuff throughout the Gospels, and you can look at it and go, man. He blew that. When Peter gets it right, he knocks it out of the park. You don't want to leave too, do you? Jesus says, Lord, to whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You, we believe that you are the Holy One of God. What is it that we want from Jesus? Do we merely want bread that fills our bellies? Do we merely want him to take care of our physical needs or do we want the life that he offers us? See, too many of us, too many in our world, they, we stop on the surface. See, too many of us want him on our terms. Too many of us merely want bread for our bellies. And Jesus says it's not about bread. It's not about the physical. Anyone can give you bread for your belly, but I, I am the only one who can give you eternal life. If you're satisfied with bread only, you will set forfeit God's best for you. If you're satisfied with the surface and the superficial, you'll miss out on what's core and eternal. And here Jesus speaks of his flesh. He speaks of his blood. And when Jesus utters these words, he points forward to the cross. He points forward to his crucifixion. He points forward to the death that he will die for us. In a few moments, we're gonna partake in communion. And as we partake, as we hold in our hands bread and juice, we point back to the cross. Both are speaking the same thing that we need all of Jesus for all of us, wholly and entirely. Not just as Savior for our sins. <clears throat> but also to recreate our life to be formed into His image. So here's my challenge for you this week. <clears throat> As you go through this week, take note of the areas of your life where you, you have settled. The, take note of those areas in your life where you have settled for the superficial. Where else can we turn? Peter says, "You have the words of eternal life." Where where have we settled for bread? When he longs to give us more. And so Jesus calls us to the same response. To do the work of God, we must believe in the one that he has sent. And so maybe today for you, it's to uh, to accept Jesus as your savior. Maybe that's the step you need to take to say, I want more than just bread. I want all of Jesus for all of me. And so today's the day you need to take that first step of faith into your new life with him. Maybe is. Maybe for others of us, it's take a deeper look in our life. Are there things that we're holding back and not giving over to Him? Are there things in our life that we are settling for the surface, that we're settling for the superficial, when God is calling us to more? If you truly believe that He is the Son of God, it ought to radically change everything about our lives. And too often, we look more we, too often we look more like those who are around us than the one we claim to live for. Maybe today there's another next step that you, want, you need to take. Another next step, another expression of faith, another thing to grow into and grow from. And so if, if there's a, a next step that you would like to make today, we, would you let us know by filling out the connection card at cchmd.com slash connect. And there on the connection card, you can mark the appropriate box. Today after the service, I'll be in the back. If you want to talk with me, if you, uh, if you need someone to pray with, I'll be back there. I would love to meet with you and talk with you about what God is calling you to next as we move from superficial to deeper things with him. See, Jesus calls us to look beyond the f- flesh, to look beyond the surface, to pursue him at the deepest part of ourselves. And so if we want to see real change in 2024, It can only start with a wholehearted, full-bodied, all-in pursuit of Jesus. And so may that be our goal, and may that be our aim, both individually and as a church this year.